Today is Testimony Sunday. Everybody say Testimony Sunday. Yeah. So it's been like three weeks that we've had sort of unusual in terms of what we do at New Community uh, Sundays. And if you're a visitor here, I'm so glad you're here today because today is the one time in the year where we as a church uh, get to hear from you, the church body. This Sunday is something which we sort of open the floor for anybody, anybody, literally, that wants to come up and to be able to share with the church the ways they've seen God at work, not just in the good times, but, boy, really the tough times. Not just when things were going well for us, when things were really hard also. It's an opportunity for us to acknowledge and recognize that we are a community, not just individuals. Now, uh, but to kind of set us up, because, uh, you know, I haven't preached like in three weeks, so I need to, I need to do that. Is that Okay. Five minutes, don't worry. Exodus 14, 21. Uh, if you have your Bibles. Yes, Michael. Was that? Yeah, I know. So Exodus 14. No, in all seriousness, guys, I wanted to share this to kind of uh, set a foundation for um, who we'll hear from today. Exodus 14, 21. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And it'll sound familiar as we read. And all that night the Lord drove the sea back with the strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place and the Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. And then Exodus 15, the very next chapter is this beautiful song of Miriam. And here's what we find. 19, verse 19. When Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophetess took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. A wonderful testimony. We are supposed to be dead. We're not even supposed to be here. But here we are. Does that resonate with anybody? I know it does to a handful of you for whom this is literal. Literally, you're not supposed to be here in light of what you've gone through. But do you know what we find in chapter 16? Here's what we find in chapter 6, the very next chapter, verse 1. 
The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community... Everybody say that with me. The whole community... Next word? Like, say it like you're grumbling. Ready? Grumble. Wait a minute. This is a chapter and a half. After they're walking, stinking on dry ground with the sea, the sea parted next to them. Uh, it goes on. <laughs> Against Moses and Aaron, verse 3, the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. Because you know, life in Egypt was like so much better. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly. They grumbled and complained because you know, being a slave is a good thing. I've said this before in our church. It's one thing to get out of Egypt. But it's another thing to get Egypt out of you. It's one thing to be physically be freed. And yet it's another thing to have this mentality that the Israelites. Now here's the thing though. When we read the Bible. The big danger that you and I have is that we think it's someone else's story. You know what I'm talking about? We think it's someone else's. We think it's about somebody else. So here we find a story about the Israelites. God's deliverance, God's rescue, God's powerful move of God. And you and I read Exodus 16 and go, what the heck does God have to do for them to believe that God is on their side? But the thing is, there's a bit of you in that story. Not if you agree. And there's a bit of me in that story. How many of you are sitting here today and you've experienced God's rescue, God's salvation? Say amen. God's redemption, God's healing, God's deliverance, God's provision. We're here. You're here. We're together. Our marriages are together. Our families are together. Our kids are still here. We have a job. We have a roof over our heads. We have experienced rescue, deliverance, mighty, powerful move of God. And yet, chapter and a half later, it's only December 6th. We're sitting here going, grumble, 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 complain, complain, complain. That's why to the Israelites, there was a word that occurs throughout the Old Testament that God told them to do. And it's the Hebrew word, zakar. Everybody say that with me. Say it once more, zakar. Zakar literally means to remember. Do you know why God said to the Israelites, remember, remember? Because our hearts tend to what? Forget. Our hearts tend to forget. And can I share something with you? Do you know what happens to me when I forget about who God is and what he has done? I begin to grumble and complain. And I begin to make a list of all the things that I wish I had. And I begin to make a list of all the things that God hasn't 
Does anybody understand that? And here's the thing about that list. <clears throat> you know, I kind of caught it this morning. That list is endless. Would you agree? That list is exhaustive. Would you agree? That list is never ending. Never ending. So here's the question. How many of us are sitting here this morning choosing greed? List of all the things that God hasn't done. List of all the things I wish we had. Instead of choosing, here's the word, gratitude. Gratitude. Psalm 14. I'm sorry. Psalm 13. Verse 1, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Every day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. You know, there's this lie in the Christian community that says if you're a good Christian, you're supposed to be polite and not do this kind of stuff. This guy is cranked. He's angry. He's mad. He's letting God have it. And God says, I welcome it. Come on. Come on. All your anger, all your fury, all your disappointment, give it to me. But look what he says. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. For six, I will sing to the Lord. For he has been good to me. What's he doing? He is remembering. I will sing. I will testify. For he has been good to me. When you're sitting here this morning, you could only think of one thing, literally just one thing that you can say, he has been good to me. And I tell you, as you start this year, that one thing that you remember might be the only remedy to the list of things you wish you had. Another reason why we do this thing this morning is not just to remember. But I've noticed that as a Christian, when we go through a hard time, we sort of universalize that experience. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you know, a woman who is really hurt by a guy, and I hear her, and she says, all men are jerks, Pastor Peter. All men are jerks. Wait, all men? He is. <laughs> that one is. At all. Here's the thing. We experience something where we feel like God deserted us, and we say, everybody gets deserted by God, period. We experience a disappointment in life. And we universalize that for everybody and goes, well, that's just how God. And so here's the kind of words that occur in our vocabulary. God can't. God won't. It's impossible. He doesn't. 
You know why we need to hear this and why God said zakar as a community? Because there's some of you sitting here and you are universalizing your personal experience to everybody. And you're saying, this is just how God is, just how the world is, just how people are. And you need to hear somebody come up and go, this is what God has done to me. Wait, that's not my, I know. No, Beth, I was just looking at you. Here you go. How are you? I hope you feel better. Thank you. Okay, good morning. <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Beth, and this is my second Testimony Sunday. And I remember last year thinking, man, it's going to be a, a miracle from God if I can speak next year because. A year ago today, I couldn't put two words together in a sentence without crying. And so praise God, because I haven't cried yet. And I all, a year ago today, I wouldn't have ever imagined being able to just put myself out there and be vulnerable and expose myself and just the things that I'm ashamed of and the things that have been hard for me in front of, not in front of one person, let alone a congregation. So I'm just really, really thankful to even be standing here and thankful that God is holding me here because I kind of want to run back to my seat. So praise God for that. Um, It has been, man, it has been a rough couple of years. And, you know, at the same time, I'm just, I'm so thankful for the past couple of years because God has shown me so many things that I wouldn't have seen otherwise through some of the experiences that I've had. And one of the biggest things that God has shown me is just how much I idolize perfection and how much I've prioritized being put together and seeming strong and not needing help from anybody else over, over God. And... He helped me to realize that because about a year and a half ago, I was brought to a place where it wasn't possible for me to do that anymore. I just felt broken and dead, really. And, And so he brought me to a place of complete surrender, and I'm so thankful for that. And... Um, a couple of years ago, Pastor Peter did a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and I remember him warning us, telling us that if we ask the Holy Spirit to activate himself within us and show us what we need to see, that it would be hard and that it would be painful. And I thought, oh, no, it won't. It'll be fine. Um, Pastor Peter was right. It was, it was hard. And something that God showed me was that, that um, the most recent relationship that had been about a few months since it had ended. The most recent relationship that I had been in was one that was sexually and emotionally abusive. And and I thought I thought my world was like crashing. <laughs> just it scared it scared me just to realize that that had happened to me. It scared it scared me the most that I idolized seeming perfect so much that I didn't admit it to myself, to my community, to God, that I lied to everyone around me, including God, and that I tried to fix it on my own. It scared me that I craved human acceptance so much that I believed lies, that I wasn't good enough, that I had to earn someone's love, that I wasn't worthy, when there is a God that loves, that loves us just for who we are, and not even for who we are, but for who he is. And... And it was a really, it was a hard time. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was having nightmares. I was crying all the time. And I just felt totally lost. And, and I'm so, so thankful because in that time, for the first time, I was able to surrender to God because I had no other choice. And he, uh, 
he showed me what it was like to just abide in his love because there was nothing else that I could do at that point. And I'm so thankful to him for rescuing me, not only from the situation, but rescuing me from myself. And, and I still struggle with it. I still realize that I, I go back to that. I want to seem put together. I want to seem like I have it all, but I don't. And, and that's not what's important. And I'm so thankful, too, because God really used that time to to just call him, call me back to him back home and to introduce me to an amazing small group who, they didn't just tolerate me, but they just embraced me. And it was wild because I couldn't be who I thought I was. I couldn't be helpful. I couldn't be funny or nice or fun or whatever it was. I was just a mess. And through that, God showed me that he loves me and loves everyone, um, not for what we do, but because of who he is. And that when people seek him the way that my my small group members did, that people are able to love us in that way too. And so I just wanted to to praise God for that. And I think for me, I at a time, and sometimes still I, I wonder, well, when is God going to transform this? When is he going to make it better? When is he going to be here? And I think the biggest thing I've realized that even when I didn't want to be with myself, that he was with me the whole time and that he's with me currently. And that without God, experiences are just experiences, you know? Without God, it would have just been an awful situation, but because of him, it's been transformed. And I'm so grateful that we get to serve a God like that. My name is Tom Gorman. I'm really blessed to be here, be alive today. I want to talk about life, and I want to praise God for life. Thursday or Friday, there, uh, there was a guy who, uh, who died of exposure on the west side on West Belmont Avenue. Uh, he died of hypothermia. and that, uh, I know a little bit about hypothermia, and it's not a, it's not a way anybody wants to go. Um, I'm alive today, and, and you know, I, I, make a, I make a reference to checking your pulse. You know, and if you feel that little bump going on, that's a reason to praise God. That little, that little throbbing in your wrist. I'm, I'm blessed to be in a community of people that love me and that care about me and tell me that every, every time I see them. Um, I'm blessed to be clothed today and to be warm. I'm blessed to be able to cook for people like myself who are homeless and out there on the street. I had a, a, real, a real unique opportunity to, uh, to cook at the uh, Humble Park Social Services for Christmas the day before our Christmas party at, uh, at the Warming Center. And it was thrilling. It was a, it was a, we had some two, two unique people come off the Internet, not connected to new community, and show up and volunteer and uh, it was a privilege to be able to meet these two guys, and I invited them to the church, and they came the next day. And um, it's really exciting. It really warms up my heart and keeps me alive and, and, and shows me that God cares about me. I don't know what it is he wants me to do, but I'm getting to get a pretty clear idea of what that is. Um, I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm grateful that God has provided us with all the food that we need more than the food that we can possibly consume as a culture, as a, as a Western society. There's so much out there 
somewhere we're not using some of it the right way, but that's up to us to do something about. Uh, it's up to me to do something about, and I'm blessed with the privilege of knowing that today, that this is my calling to do something with that. Um, I'm blessed to have a pastor that sticks with me through four or five years of bouncing in and out of that, that, uh, that door up there. Um, at the Christmas party at the warming center, the place was filled with volunteers really early and the food showed up and it just got hysterical, but it was a blessing to see all those people eat and go away with the gifts that were provided by New Community. It's a tremendous thing to have, a, have a, the power of a group inspired by God and provided for by God to be able to take care of people that have less than we do. I want to thank Jesus Christ for life today. Um, I'm really scared of you right now because I don't know most of you. And, um, but even as the testimony just started, I was weeping. And I felt like I was having a Holy Ghost party on my own, so I felt like I should share the party with you all. <laughs> um, but, um, but I felt really compared to share something that a God has been um, bringing out of my life this year because I felt like a lot of us here could understand. Because it's not um, anything about physical or sexual abuse that I've heard so much of, some dramatic stories or, or infidelity or anything like that. But it's this um, sin that Pastor Peter actually shared. He was like, no one up to this day has come to me asking for counseling for materialism. But um, I think that has been a sin that has been dormant inside of me that I have not been aware of for a long time. But when I am, I think it started when after I had my second baby and feeling so homely and not beautiful. I even came up one Sunday asking for a prayer from Pastor Lisa. But I think after that point, that was a really big point, um, moment, because I think after that I had the choice to really run after God and and wait on him and have him really change me and satisfy me. But I think I took the other way and I, and I started to control um, my feelings and take, take control of that feeling on my own and try to self-help myself somehow. And it started with a, a strip to the salon and all these things aren't bad, you know, but I think the problem was when it started consuming my mind and the things that I was thinking about were how to better make myself more beautiful. And then I went to my birthday, and then came my birthday came up, and it was a shopping spree for myself. You know, I asked for a shopping spree. And, and then just one thing after another, like once my eyes were open to the latest trends because I was at home and not aware of anything <laughs> for a couple of years. Like, I started seeing everything. It was kind of like that apple that you ate. And then it's just the knowledge of everything that, knowledge of everything that I didn't have anymore. 
my classes started to seem so empty and and so out of date and and so it was like a constant just life whirlwind of constant online shopping and these are things that people don't see you doing you know and um and even more that was sad about it was i felt like by being so busy in my mind about these things even my kids were getting neglected you know in different ways and that could be i could tell you stories after stories about this pastor things that i just didn't not do right to my own children which is so shameful in itself time that i could have spent with my husband or my children that i was spending you know shopping for my own betterment or whatever but i think through it all even during that time i i deceived myself because i was thinking to myself it wasn't that i was shopping the high end stuff necessarily either you know i was shopping for the best bargains and i was shopping you know around i was deceiving myself saying i'm shopping around a lot so i can catch the sales you know but then i think what there was this one moment just this like few months ago when I was not even a few months I'll be honest I think it was just a couple months ago when I was just hit with a ton of bricks when um this is really hard to share but I I I wasn't thinking straight I guess I well I think I try to excuse myself by saying that my parents of this did me all while growing up but I left my kids in the car while I ran in the store to exchange just to return something that I bought because I did I bought it and I realized I really want it so I didn't want to even tell Jonathan about it so I just decided to before you know at the end of the day before he came home I just said like return it and to take the both kids inside for a quick return I felt like it was not I didn't need to do that and I, they were I thought I felt like they were fine from my judgment but this woman I come out and this woman's like on the phone calling and she had called the cops and she's like are those your ch-? she was like tell describing to the cops my car and I was like what's going on and she's like are those your children and I was like yeah and I'm like what's what do you need something and she's like yeah I called the cops and I was like I did not know that that was something that was illegal or wrong Um, after the fact I was like so worried and I was worried that the cops were going to come after me so I um I googled and I'm like it's illegal in Illinois to leave your kids in the car alone <laughs> I had no idea I mean I, I grew up my parents doing that to me all the time and I don't know so um nothing happened thankfully and nothing happened to my children thankfully even though that some people must, might still excuse me and say even Jonathan was like things like people do that all the time i think cuz they don't real they don't know the law or they think it's fine it's the way they grew up but i think the important part of it was that that at that moment i was so consumed more than like thinking about the possible dangers for my kids i was consumed with hiding my sin from my own husband and um consume with my purchases and my whatever and um and I'm not going to say that it's still it's not a battle for me anymore uh we were just on vacation and 
We went to Newport. It's like the richest resort in the nation, they declare, you know. It's where the Vanderbilts built their mansions. And we got to visit some mansions and then like... You know, I just caught myself being wowed and in awe and like, wow, it could have been, it's been so cool to live that life. But then, like, I stopped myself and I, when I was reading a little biography about the lives of these high society people, I was like, wait a second. That's not something to be jealous of or to covet. Gosh, all this money that they had, they used it to build these palaces for themselves. Oh my goodness, all this money that they could have used to better the world. They, they just hoarded it into their little mansions and, and just excessive, I mean, platinum walls. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Gems on their walls, mosaics on their floors. It was ridiculous. It was beautiful, but gosh. And um, before I came up to us, um, shared today, I um, thought of this verse, and it's from Psalm 37, 7. It says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Um, you know, buying clothes for ourselves, beauty, uh, um, valuing beauty, I don't think those are things that are evil, but I think but materialism is, and being consumed by wanting the next best thing and thinking of that all the time is. And, and what the Vanderbilts did, their little cottage wars where they tried to build a, better, a bigger and better mansion than the person next to them, that was, that was evil. Um, coveting is evil. And... And, and then to desire to want to be, you know, to get to that, to want that, and um, to cover that, that, that's not what God wants for my life, you know, and um, for any of us. And so, yeah, and even during the vacation, I'm like, ooh, I saw these boots that I've been wanting for so long. <laughs> and on the way home, we just had to have a reality check, like, we just can't afford those right now. <laughs> and I really don't need it right now. I can make do with what I have, and I, what I have is enough. And beauty doesn't come from what is seen on the outside always. But it has to come from the in and out. It really has to come from the inside out. So I just want to encourage everyone to say that because you have Christ in your heart, you are beautiful today. Thank you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for Joyce. Um, dear God, um, thank you so much um, for moving and being present, God. For your Holy Spirit, God, um, to speak so clearly to Joyce, God, um, to speak, Lord, into the things that our world takes for granted and we think is normal, God, and to say, Lord, that there's more and that this is not the way, God. Lord, I pray that this message um, about coveting, about never being fulfilled, Lord, would speak to all of us, God, in the different ways that we seek fulfillment, God, whether it be in clothes, whether it be in food, whether it be in relationships, God. I pray that you would speak to us and show us that we need to 
to be drawn back to you, God. Yes. Um, I pray that there will be healing for Joyce in this sharing, God, that um, your spirit would move powerfully in this, Lord, in her vulnerability, God. Um, And so, God, I just thank you um, for her sharing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Last year as well, I had uh, the opportunity to uh, share testimony of a bit at the service last year and it was a discovery moment for me for those that know kind of been here at New Community for a couple years and um, I was so tremendously blessed to hear everybody's freedom I call it freedom and liberty testimony I've been in church for a long time and we've always heard the victorious testimonies and um, you know we you know thank God for those but my heart was so um, moved just to hear everybody's freedom testimony to just be able to speak the truth and to be accepted even while you're still in the middle of your struggle and um So last year as I shared and I prayed that, you know, God would shift my life from seemingly the direction that it was going. And and, um, I hope that things would start to change and get better. And uh, so here I am again to say that it didn't get better. It got uh, worse. But I'm still here. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm still alive. Thank yes. you. And that is enough for me to just say thank you, mm-hmm. Lord. I've always been one. I have a very low tolerance for pain. <laughs> Never liked it, but... For me to be able to say that through my pain and my suffering that God is still so present and so real. I um, I love him even more. But this year, as some have heard me share that I am currently in the middle of a um, divorce I've been married 20 years, and um, I have four children, wonderful children, and debt. <laughs> we have ties together, you know, we, we bought a house together, and we lived our life together for 20 years, and bound together with the love for our children, and so... Anyone that has experienced it know that that's like ripping your heart out of your chest and a part of you seeming to die because it's the life that I've known for 20 years and I never would have thought that I could have made it and I've always been the kind of person that I'm a caretaker, people pleaser and I've always put myself in the 
the background to take care of other people. And in my marriage, I did that for 20 years. And just like um, Beth kind of shared is that instead of letting people in to my pain and to what was really going on in my marriage, I covered it because I felt like it was my job to take care of him and my kids, even while I suffered and even while I went without. And and my family, I didn't even tell to share it with my family because I needed to fix it and I needed to take care of it and I needed to change it. And if I didn't, then I failed. And then being called into ministry, you just, you know, you just believe and you just trust and you just hope that God would work through you. And I carried the weight of being called into ministry and a husband that wasn't saved and it's your responsibility to save him and to fix it. And if you don't, then you failed and you're not a good wife and you're not a virtuous wife and you have no right to be before God and his people. So I carried that for all of those years. And when it was time for me to let go, I deal with the depression, the anger, and the fear. I was so angry at God. And I wanted to quit, and I wanted to give up because I didn't want to face people having failed. But I thank God for this church and family of church, church family of his glory that just didn't let me quit. People here have encouraged me and didn't judge me. Like Pastor Peter said that, you know, when you're going through, you tend to think the whole world is against you. And you can't seem to find anything to grab a hold of. So you just put everybody in a category that nobody understands. But I thank God for for all of you all that have embraced me and I mean like a physical embrace just to encourage me I thank you for that that have smiled and that have sent me words through email or just to say that you're praying for me I surely thank you for that and I ask that you please continue to do so and pray for my children and myself as my life, my whole life is having to shift <laughs> and I'm trying to find my footing again. Please continue to pray for me uh, that God will continue to work and show me that he is more real today. I'd like to pray for you, okay? But pray for Pray for Pastor Angela together. Lord God, we 
want to thank you for Pastor Angela, for how she has stood with courage yes. to rehearse the chaos in her life, the heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching experience that she's yes. in right now as a, as a mom, as a woman who's ending her marriage, as a servant of yours. And God, I want to pray um, that, that like you did for Mary, you would allow her uh, to recline at your feet. Yes, Lord. And that you would speak yes. to her. Yes. Not some version of her, not right. our expectation of her, That's but right. that you would talk to her heart. Yes. That you would convince her of many things. That, that you would tell her the truth about her. That her future, yes. God, uh, that her life is in your hands. That, yes. that you have her end from the beginning figured out. That she is your child yes. loved and cared for. And I yes. pray that you, Lord God, would make your face to shine upon her, that you would lift your countenance in her direction, that you, Lord God, would show her what is radiant and what is glorious, that she would know you in this, Mm -hmm. that she would sense and see and feel you in this, that her heart would know when her head doesn't, that you were trustworthy, that you have always provided, that her children cannot be more loved by her than they are by you, that she cannot be more loving than you. Grant the impossible in seen and unseen ways. Feed her every day. Yes. Keep her. Yes. In Jesus', Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I just wanted to share about the Christmas party and um, just just about um, how blessed I was by the church. Um, so I think a month before the Christmas party, I was kind of me and Xavier were kind of freaking out because we didn't, you know, no one had signed the Google document about how many people would provide food or donations or volunteer. And I was getting really nervous. And um, I remember praying and being like, God, will people, you know, if we're a church that cares for people, where are the people, you know, where, where are, where is the church? Um, And, you know, over the weeks, as I continued to keep praying to God, um, you know, the donations started to come in, and then the volunteers, you know, the the list started to get longer and longer. And I remember, um, you know, before the event, having to turn away volunteers because there are so many people wanting to volunteer, um, and then so many people wanting to donate that I had to tell them that, sorry, we have enough donations. Um, And then so... You know, on that day, to be able to witness so many people, over a hundred people came, and we had to lock the door because it was getting—it was a fire safety hazard, and people kept coming. So, um, 
and be able to provide for them food and then give them these gifts that the church had um, together donated. Um, I was so touched and so uh, just moved that our God is a generous God. Um, and when he gives, he gives overabundantly. And I was so thankful just for, for the church, you know. And I'm just really thankful that God is good. You know, a year ago, I came to Chicago. I moved here, and I didn't know anyone. And I remember going to my first Friday night outreach, and, you know, people were so moved um, by this guy named Kevin who passed away a year ago. And I thought, wow, you know, this church must have a big impact on people if, uh, if even the people who are homeless are touched by this one man uh, who passed away. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I think I'm just, I'm just really thankful for this church that, you know, a year later I can, I can give praise to God um, for my small group and um, for the people. And just even just the Christmas party, like I said, just seeing how God provides and that, that God is good and he's faithful and um, and I just encourage everyone just uh, to continue to give out of the you know out of the out of your heart because uh, God is generous and we shouldn't hold back. I think I just broke the mic. Um, <laughs> um, hello, I just wanted to share that I'm extremely thankful for uh, this time that you really give everyone to share what they're either going through or what they have gone through, and I did want to come up here by my uh, own accord, but thank you for calling the men out because men, we really do need to be uh, bold and share when it's time to. I uh, really have learned thankfulness through my life where my family and I grew up extremely poor pretty much my entire life um, and to the point of homelessness, in and out of homelessness, uh, a lot not having friends or family to fall back on. Um, actually, our family members were more ashamed of us than wanting to help us. And uh, I wouldn't wish that on anyone that I know, whether they're my friends or enemies, but uh, through that time, God really showed me the value of life, the value of not just everything that you have, but every person that you encounter, every way that they affect you, the way that you can affect them, and how much of an effect we have on each other, and how the Lord can just provide for you in every way that you ask for. Um, I didn't have anything planned up here to say, but... Uh, I want to 
In a perfect world, in my perfect world, I would have everyone wake up being thankful for waking up, for their life. Just that food that they have to eat, that clothing that they have on their back, because I have experienced not having that. I've had that two outfits that you have that you know that the rich public school that you go to, everyone else notices and looks down on you because you don't have what they do. Because you're looking dirty. Because, you know, they see that you're going off into the poor area of town and uh, being thankful for the food we eat by, you know, I knowing that because I've had that one dollar to spend today on food and thank God for the 99 cent burrito at Taco Bell. <laughs> um, but really, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but at the same time, it, it really showed me thankfulness. I would just wish that thankfulness on everyone here and everyone that I know. That's all I wanted to share. everybody. My name is Omar. I'm married to Libby. And um, we've had a really rough year. Really rough year. She, uh, she asked me not really to share a whole lot about her mom. but um, And she also did thank everybody. And I know Pastor Peter shared in the email uh, for all the people that have been through the whole process of grieving um, from Libby's uh, mom passing this year from cancer. Um, but I wanted to personally thank um, Dan Radakovich, uh, his wife, Wendy, uh, Micah, uh, Sarah, Brian, Alicia, all the, all the people who, Brian uh, and Amy, um, all the people who were there at the funeral, all the people who have continued to um, be a part of our life, um, Andrea and, uh, and Daniel Kaiser, just it, so many people here, I can't even mention you all, but um, I just wanted to encourage you guys um, to really reach out and to look at the ones that are suffering around you. What this has taught me is how selfish I am. Um, I used to think, you know, cancer, it's just, you know, a number. It's just, you know, just hits a couple people. But when it hits your own family, when it hits um, your immediate family, and you're going through that pain, and you see your wife going through even worse pain and loneliness and all this stuff that's attached to grieving, um, you realize, wow, I mean, this happens every day in the United States and all across the world. And um, it really showed me how selfish I am because I didn't think about the people around me who were going through that before it happened to us. And it's a really humbling thing when people from the church um, open their time up to you, you know, bring you food, um, bring you flowers, bring you whatever it is that God puts on their heart. Um, it's a really powerful thing to see God's love manifest in very practical ways. Um, and it's a very humbling thing. Um, so I just want to encourage those of you um, who were like me, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're, you're, you're so busy in the grind of your own life and trying to keep up with your own family and, and things in your immediate community to, to look out and to see um, who, who around you, even indirectly, has, has suffered a death or has suffered um, a tragic instance in their life? Because um, God knows you, you, he can use you in a powerful way. Um, 
to minister to people that are just in a real dark pit. Um, and, and this church has really kept us kept us in, in just in good spirits. And um, I really, really love and appreciate all of you um, for that. And then on another note, um, and for those of you who, because I know some other people might work where I work, just keep this in confidence, but uh, it's been a really rough year too. And I wanted to encourage those of you who go to work every day. It's a grind. You don't know why you're going to work. Uh, the purpose doesn't seem to be there. Um, that was my life for the last two years. Um, and I was a social worker. You'd think in social work you'd have a greater sense of purpose or um, higher enlightenment from you know being in, in the pit with everybody and helping them with what, what they're going through. And I know the church comprises mostly of social workers and teachers. And so I just want to say I appreciate you guys for what you do. Um, I know people don't thank you enough or appreciate you enough. Um, but just do what you do best and continue to do it with God's strength and God's speed. And uh, I, I think the, the most encouraging thing was after all the months of check-by-check check living with my wife, um, finances being tight, um, God really showed up in a powerful way. I had a supervision with my boss, and things were really, for whatever reason, just relationally, we weren't getting along. And I was like, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? I've been working so many years here at this agency, applied for a position, upper-ranking position, didn't know if I'd get it or not, but, you know, went through the interview process. They sat on it for like a year, <laughs> didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and um, by the end of it, God did open up that door, which was a good news for my wife and I, um, getting a promotion at work. So all that to say, life is, life is bittersweet. Um, tragedy happens, triumph happens, but God's in all of that. And um, just encourage you guys to, to seek him through all those, um, all those things in life. So. I'll be quick. Um, I'm new uh, to a new community. I've only been coming here for about a six months or so we actually started me and my wife and my daughter started coming in um august and we had been planning on coming but um we've been married for about a year and a half and it's been pretty pretty rough but uh one of the things i'm thankful for is uh you never really realize how uh how quickly like life can be taken away for you it can be taken into the a twinkling of an eye and um you know when you get married and you say for better or for worse so death do us part you never expect uh, the sickness to come so soon. You think sickness will be when I'm 60, 70, or whatever. Um, in July of um, this past year, uh, my wife and I found out that she was pregnant, and we had some, had, had some trouble with pregnancy before. Um, and so, you know, we were excited or whatever. We went to the doctor, got the confirmation of the pregnancy, um, and then two or three days later, uh, we started noticing some things that made us rush to the hospital. We ran to the hospital, uh, the nurses said they didn't see anything, and so, you know, not to worry, and we thought everything was okay. Um, and three days later, that Saturday morning, she woke up screaming um, in pain, and part of me was kind of like, oh, is she being dramatic, you know? Um, and I'm like, you know, are you okay? And she's just like, I think I'm okay. And something just said, call the ambulance, call the ambulance. And so I called the ambulance. Uh, they came. Um, it took them about 40 minutes to stabilize her in the ambulance before they can even move. And by the time we got to the hospital, the doctor told her that if we had to wait maybe 10 more minutes, that she would have died. Um, and it turned out that the pregnancy was ectopic. 
um, and they missed it when we went to the hospital earlier that week. Um, and it was probably the scariest moment of my life seeing, you know, my wife had to have two emergency surgeries uh, in the same day and a blood transfusion. Um, and just seeing her in that much pain, seeing her that close um, to death. And at the time, she was only 27 years old. You just never think tragedy will strike that soon, um, that early. And so I'm just thankful um, to God that he kept her, um, that she's still here, you know, that she's healthy. Um and I, I mean, and I, and I just think, you know, just being here in a new community has kind of helped us get, you know what I'm saying, through a rough patch. Um, because I, I think sometimes, like, no matter what's going on in your life, when you see life almost being snatched away from you, everything else just kind of pales in comparison. Um, and so I'm thankful. Thankful for that and thankful for the ministry here. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. God, we do thank you. And Lord, as we head into this year, we have a choice. Church, listen carefully. We have a choice. It's a choice between greed, a mentality and attitude that says, here are the things that I want. Here are the things that I don't have. If life was like this, it'd be so much easier. If life was like that, it'd be so much better. Oh, we could choose gratitude. I will sing, for he has been good to me. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. May we be people of God, new community, that will choose gratitude over greed. Choose willingly to remember and to reflect, not just once a year, but regularly setting up altars of remembrance of God's faithfulness and what he has done. May the object of our gaze and our focus always be the cross, that as we look upon the cross, as we look upon the sacrifice of the Son of God, may the gospel truth be the beautiful, ravishing, awe-inspiring vision that would lift us up out of life of scarcity, lift us up out of life of self-centeredness, lift us up out of life of self-absorption and begin living lives of radical generosity motivated by a radical sense of gratitude. You are God. You are Lord. You are King. You are the giver of all life. Church, let's all stand together as we sing and declare these truths as we head towards the year 2013.